Hello champs, Benson from the future here, just letting you know that this episode is a bit wonky. We had planned to release the interview with Jeff Trace as part of this episode, but thanks to technology, the recorded interview sort of broke. We've decided to just release what we've already recorded regarding the Low Point Games, and we've got Jeff lined up for the interview once more, so once that's done, I'll send that out as a separate episode. Well, that's the plan, at least. So please sort of ignore all the references to the interview that we make mention, as you'll end up disappointed if that's what you're hanging out to hear. It's not all bad news, though, as Mr. Ronnie Renton has kindly recorded a message for you, which I've popped in where the interview should have gone. So look forward to that. Again, my apologies for the mess. We'll get it cleaned up eventually, and thanks for sticking with us. Now, with that out of the way, I'll let you get back to the actual episode. Enjoy. Yeah, direct misfire, aiming up hits. Bend some spoon and sell liquor in the mix. Follow along, stay up to date. Comment, like, subscribe today. Hello champs, and welcome once again to another Direct Misfire Missive. Joining me today, as always, is Selic. Hey guys. As well as special guest Hugh. Hey guys. As we talk low point games in Kings of War. Also, as a little treat, we'll have a chat to Kings of War reigning champion of the world, Jeff Trache. Long live the king. So pull up a seat, grab a drink, let's get into it. But before we get into the main topic of today... We need to first add to our little Kings of War army that we're creating, the Cloud Giants. So at the moment, we'll go run through the basis that the Cloud Giants that have been grounded and they're angry about it. Mm-hmm. They have the Big Breath special rule, which is cool. like Windblast, but you can't give them other spells. Mm-hmm. And they are the good alignment, so I've just decided that, so you don't get a choice. Uh, so next, we need to insert and a type of infantry. So what I'm going to do for this one is I've created four different kinds of infantry. I'm going to get both you guys to kind of uh, debate out one of them. You get one choice. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then we'll leave we'll leave the second choice to the listeners. So we'll pop mm. a uh, poll out onto Facebook and Twitter and give it a week and see what they vote, if they vote. <laughs> and that's that'll be our infantry to begin with. Well, I like it. Okay. So the first choice we got is peasants and farmers. So these guys, they see the giants, they're in awe, and they just kind of follow them about. So these guys are crap melee, uh, crap defense, decent amount of attacks, but they have fire oil built in because they got pitchforks mm-hmm. and torches. Mm-hmm. The second choice, we have man-sized air elementals. So instead of large infantry of the normal elementals, we have humans. So these are shambling. They've got an average amount of attacks for human-sized infantry. They move five, they fly, and are irregular. Nothing Ooh, too yeah. special about that. And then we've got the third one. Toddler giants. So <laughs> these cloud giants like to throw their children into fights as well because they're good at Seems it. Seems fair. So <laughs> the toddlers are still man-sized. They've got big breath, but they've only got wind blast two instead of six. Uh, they're pretty slow. They've got average defense and attack. That's a lot of uh, wind spam. Mm. And then the last choice, we have giant mites. So these mites, like little bugs, are cleaners of the giants. They get into the little nooks and crannies of the giant's um, skin folds, maybe. <laughs> so these have low defense. High number of attacks and are stealthy and are also gross. <laughs> so that's the four choices. Mm. Make your decision. Mm. Perhaps you could call me boring, but I feel inclined towards the farmers, the basic mm. humans, if you like. I feel like the giants would affectionately refer to them as tinies because tinies the opposite of giant. Mm-hmm. And they would be 
so Giants are very, uh, I don't know, they're good guys, right? I feel like some of those choices feel like not that good aligned. Mm-hmm. The tiny air elementals seem, might just look like little farts on a base. Mm-hmm. So yep. that might not work. It could be. <laughs> it could be. Depending the on the model, of course. Animated farts. Also, heaps of flying is a line troop. I don't know. I feel like you want your regiments, if you've got heaps of big giants, you want your regiments not to be a regular as well. And the farmers could just be like riffraff that maybe giants are very good customers, so they work in harmony because, you know, one giant can pretty much feed a whole family of a farmer, I presume, because, you know, they make heaps of crops and, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, they need to eat a lot because they're giants. Mm -hmm. It It seems to, like, add up to me. Okay. So you could go farmers if you were crap, but <laughs> I honestly don't get it, right? So the farmers here, like, I mean, the only thing I can sort of see that they've got their pitchforks and their flaming things if they're trying to herd those uh, wind giants out of there. So that's the only way I can see them in there. I'm going to be putting my vote to the mites. It makes sense. <laughs> these these poor, poor little giants in the the good alignment there. There's no way that they'll be able to organise or help clean themselves. I think it's got a lot of modelling um, opportunities in there, which you will love, Benson. I will hate. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that is definitely the go here. Peasant farmers, it's a no for me. Little mites that are cleaning up stuff all the time. Lots of modelling opportunities, yes. Okay, well, so out of peasant farmers and mites, I'm going to go with the... The tinies. I liked the name of the tinies. You like the tinies? That, yeah. Excellent. I won you so, over with the tinies. See, the creepy <laughs> creepy insects might work, but I don't think they would because, you see, the humans can... You can do, like, lovely, peaceful farmstead kind of things, and I feel like that relationship works so well. They farm and feed the giants, which will keep the giants happy and full-bellied, and the giants, in turn, protect the farmers because they're just rubbish farmers. So your farmers <laughs> chill on the objectives, farm some corn, till some hay, whatever else. And your giants get out there and cause a bit of damage. Seems like extortion. So while I may have chosen the peasants and farmers, the listeners still get a choice. So the might, the mites might make it into the army. Might they? <laughs> they might. Might not. So what you as the listener need to vote on, so either the man-sized elementals, the toddler giants, or the giant mites. Yeah, and in a week or so, we'll tally up the votes and add that into the army as well. Okay, yeah, so that nonsense out of the way. What are we talking about now, Sally? We are talking about low-point games. So um, it's something that we've been a little bit critical of on this show, um, and it's something that I thought we probably should have a little bit more uh, time with. And recently, Hugh uh, actually attended a lower-point game. I think it was like 1,200 points or something similar. Um, And not only did he attend... Um, with some pretty big names. I think it was 26 people or so, but he actually came second in it. So congratulations, mm. Hugh. Yay. Thank you, sir. Uh, so, 1495 it was, which is a great points value because it's like just under your 1500 limit, which is the, the limit in which, you know, you can increase the number of copies of a unit. Okay. So you can't have more than one of the same type of hero, for example. Yes, that's better explained. So up to fourteen ninety five or fourteen ninety nine, I suppose, but that's a bit weird. Um, so up to fourteen ninety five, you can only have one type of hero or monster war yeah. or war machine. Mm. While as soon as you get to fifteen hundred or more, that's when the you know the cock rule book allows you to take 
two or more. Mm-hmm. So, or, you know, Clash of Kings. That's why Mike Crossman decided on uh, 1495 points, I presume. So it, it works really well, actually. I like that points level a lot more than um, traditional low point games. Hmm. Okay, so this was a Melbourne-based tournament. Uh, Mayhem, I think it was. And what did what army did you take? What army should any strong man take? Well, that sounds like rats. Yeah, boy. Love the rat king, man. You know me. I'm all over it. I kind of felt like <laughs> when you f- were first playing the rats, you weren't too keen on how they worked. Like you were a bit on the fence. That's just my impression of your feelings of the army. I've grown fond of them, but to be honest, they still don't excite me to the same extent as Skaven do in Old Hammer, if mm. you like. Because they don't really play the same way. They don't have the same random things that blow up on themselves and high risk, high reward kind of play style necessarily. They play like more or less like any other Horde army, I'd argue. They're not mm-hmm. too dissimilar to goblins or what have you. But they've still got a certain flavour. And I just I just like, you know how I play. I like to sort of instill the flavour in the models during the game. If the mm-hmm. rules don't allow it, I'll just make stuff up. You know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> so do you just want to take us through? It was only four rounds um, of the 1495 points. Do you want to take us through some of the games as much as you can remember? All right. First round, I played my man Yan. Uh, Jan, is, this is the first time I'd met him, but he's well known in the community from what I understand. And he ran a tournament long, not long after this. Uh, classic guy, really like him actually. He, he runs Empire of Dust at the moment. Bit of an old hammer player like myself, but has come back into Kings of War for the last year or so, I understand. I had an awesome game there where, to cut a long story short, I got really lucky quite a lot, which is a consistent theme. <laughs> throughout this tournament <laughs> hence the good result I mean you get, it's better to be lucky than good right but if you can be like medium to good and then really lucky <laughs> that's usually a good combo also so I managed to take out his caster with a single fire from my uh, war machine which was pretty oh. rad single, and then that meant single shot <laughs> single shot just 10 breath attacks like 6 or 7 wounds fail the uh, leadership test and out you go yes <laughs> Um, <laughs> I still call them leadership tests. How long have I playing this goddamn game for now? Uh, nerve test, I apologize, you Puritans out there. But yeah, I, um, I took that out, which really was key from what I recall, because uh, that meant that he then didn't have inspiring on his whole like, block in the middle and then sort of got unlucky on a few, on a few flippity flops and it allowed um, my creepy uh, demon bird man to get sort of run right the way through most of his army, Ooh, nice. uh, which was also allowed by the fact that Yan pulled quite a sl- sweet move, actually, the turn before, where he charged my demon lord with his banner bearer. Mm-hmm. Actually, he wasn't a banner bearer. He was a, he was a white lord or whatever the equivalent of that is these days. He had like three or four attacks. So he was like a mediocre hero on a horse. So mm-hmm. not a huge chance of doing like meaningful damage to Flappy Bird. But all he needed to do was one wound, of course, and then Took he off his wings. would have been disordered, which then meant that he couldn't charge through the carrion birds that... He'd plopped in front of him. So I thought it was... I probably would have just charged with the carrion because I didn't think of what Yan did. What Yan did was better, but it also carried the small risk of what if I just fluff all four attacks on my hero and then he can just charge straight over the birds and barrel up my army, which is what happened. So he just he just fluffed that poor old uh, banner bearer guy who then... Pres- <laughs> <laughs> he then proceeded to get chased by a regiment of slaves for the rest of the game. They charged him like five times. <laughs> <It was> hilarious. <laughs> anyway, um, we, we were left in this really awkward position at the end of the game where we knew and we said to one another, I'm like, so if I just stay here in the middle, I win. It's sort of a reasonably major victory. Or I can go up to the hill, risk the biscuit, 
effectively give all three objective points to his big nasty unit, which was the only unit he had left. So I can risk the whole biscuit and try to go for a really, like a massacre, like a really big win. But then there was a reasonable chance that I'd end up right back down in like draw or loss territory. Mm. So, um, of course, you know, you gotta, you got to flop it out on the table sometimes. you got to just... <laughs> You got to play the game and make it fun, and that really did make it fun because then it really came down the last couple of die rolls, and it was a, it was a really exciting game. So I did it did pay off. The risks did pay off. I got the dice I needed and took Yan off. So that was a convincing win, which good way to start was a good way to start. Absolutely, uh, that put me up against Dorfs though, uh, and Jeff was wielding his Dorfs, I do believe. Yeah, Jeff Holland. Yep. Jeff Holland, who was packing a. Nasty Dwarf Army, which for 1495 points, he had a behemoth. Behemoth? We've discussed this before. How, how do you pronounce it best? Uh, Benson, you're the uh, resident pronunciation I like to say guy. behemoth. Behemoth. I like yes. it. Okay. So he had a behemoth. He had several uh, hordes of stone golems, a special character dwarf, and then some dwarfs on badges. Mm. And that, mm. was, that was sort of it. So like everything in his army was defense five or six except for the badges, which are just nasty-ass units to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was looking at his army going, how could I possibly beat it? But it, luckily for me, it was an objectives one where there was heaps of objectives on the board. And that allowed me to just spread out enough that it made it really hard for him to win. Once I got like two of his units, he was sort of left in a position where just couldn't claim enough objectives. So I suppose we'll probably talk on that in, in terms of small points mm. games in the near future. But his army was super hard. It looked like I couldn't possibly win. But I did end up eking that out. And again, like there was some good luck involved here and there. We both had, or rather we both had sort of an equal amount of poor luck at really key moments. Because at first I thought, oh shit, he's going to shoot me off. And then I got, I got lucky and stayed there, but then charged and fluffed the charge, so on and so <laughs> forth. So it was a bit of back and forth, which made the game a bit more fun. But effectively, it came down to slaves can chill on objectives and do three-fifths of nothing. And uh, that'll work just fine for me because a slave regiment comes in at 60 points. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hmm. Get them slaves in there. So my next game was against uh, Undead. So I haven't played regular Undead. I've played a lot of Kings of Dust, but not regular Undead, I think, since uh, since I've been playing Kings of War, which is somewhat surprising because they're, they're floating around. They're out there. Uh, but for whatever reason, this was... The only time I ever played Undead. And I was playing against... Was it Sammy? Sammy, yeah. So his Undead was uh, a interesting army, shall we say. Uh, army perhaps is an exaggeration. <laughs> How do I say this kindly? <laughs> he had about six or seven models put together. Each of them mm-hmm. on about a, like one model per bay. Like an example is the... So like heavily proxied. Heavily proxied. It's more like I have a werewolf... Horde, but it's just got one werewolf on it, one grey werewolf, see. and my um, demon, my sorry, my vampire lord on flying Pegasus is a metal horse with no wings. I see, and mm. so on. So to say that it was like not quite ready for the tabletop is perhaps being extremely generous. I'd say. <laughs> so it was. It was. It, that said, at least it wasn't too hard for me to tell what his figures were, which I think is the main point. And clearly, Sammy like is a really tight player because he had the rules down. He was super tight and it was a tight game. And I made a huge mistake quite early on in charging my Demon Lord in when I shouldn't, which is usually the way that my Ratkin lose games is when I flop my Demon Lord out too early and he just gets massacred because uh, he just represents so many points and he's, you know, an inspiring thing and everything else. Very integral, especially in these small points games. So 
He did go down early, which meant I was up against it for the whole rest of the game. But luckily, I managed to push through the center, and a bit similar to the last game, it sort of came down to his army being very elite in the sense that he had, again, two regiments of mummies, two hordes of werewolves, so and like a, a flying vampire, so quite a lot of elite stuff. That's a lot of points. Yeah, so so again, his army like was nasty, like it was strong, and it had lots of the strong elements of a bigger points games, but what I found was it seemed to be a recurring theme was that doesn't necessarily mean the army is strong at those sort of small points levels. Like it, it was strong enough, I guess. Maybe mine was just stronger. I think mine was actually a really strong army, the army I went in with, which I should probably have talked about at the start, but I guess we'll talk about it at the end. And That's all right. We'll talk about that in, yeah. Yeah, so it was one of the, it was the objective where you need to get regiments and hordes and so on over the other side of the center line. So you've got to get it in your opponent's half of the board. Mm-hmm. And what was really huge is in the last couple of turns, I, we finally realized collectively, uh, I can't recall if it was Mike that came by and told us or perhaps Sammy just mentioned it or whatever, but I didn't know the rule, but one of the two of those guys said it. And what it is is nimble units count as one less unit strength. Yep. Mm. So your horde of werewolves is two instead of... Three. Three, mm. yeah. Which is really important because we were both down to hardly any units and I had something to the effect of four points in his side and he had two units of, two hordes of werewolves still on the table and he's a vampire flying around. So he was left in this kind of really awkward position where he couldn't get around and then I just was able to get my warlock in his way and say, just stand there and die but it meant that he couldn't get on my side of the board when he really needed to and again, got up the win. Ooh. Kind of pulled it. Out of my, I really had to play my ass off for I, the whole game. It was a weird game because I feel like I played really well for 95% of the game, but the 5% mistake toward the start was so inexcusable that I probably should have lost the rest of the game anyway. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it felt like I just had to play so hard to get that one back. Uh, it sounds like the tabletop karma came back. So yeah. you had the models on the board. So the, Yeah, the I luck, assume that dice yeah, gods. having painted figures is probably the main reason I was winning the combat. So I'm sure it wasn't. Uh, yeah, it wasn't so much player skill. Uh, grinding through mummies is usually not easy, but Ooh. when you've got a death engine and a horde of shock troops, it's a lot easier, especially mm. if they're painted, of course. Thanks, Benson, for that, by the way. No. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be taking too much credit over here. You're on to the fourth round now. So who did you take on last? So last round I played our man Matt, who we've seen in Canberra a number of times. I met him just not long before in CanCon. Lovely dude, bit of an ass kicker on the tabletop from what I understand, but very different attitudes to the last couple of guys I'd played in, in Jeff and Sammy, who were really serious, real serious sallies when it came to the board, you know, <laughs> they, they're both like masters players and, and had that vibe about them. While as our boy was much more just chill and throw the dice and yeah, you take it back if you want, man, and that kind of thing. So that mm-hmm. tends to be the way I generally play as well. Although it depends how excited I get. So I guess I'm a bit <laughs> exactly. upset in the game sometimes. But um, yeah, so we were both very chilled and there was a, it, it was a relaxed last round. I think he'd had a loss uh, and my wins were close enough, particularly the last couple of games that we still ended up on the same table. So I was a little ahead of him in points and he was playing gobbos and his army I actually think was really good. He had, but it was just balanced. Like it was just a normal goblin army. It wasn't your goddamn double hordes of ogre shooters. It wasn't like a million wizards. It was just a sensible balanced goblin army. A couple of hordes of gobbos, a couple of hordes of uh, trolls, giant, fluff, etc. Mm. Um, it was matched up well against my list because I also had a sort of 
you know, mixture of things, I suppose you'd call it. Not a spam. A bit of a horde army. Yeah. Non-spam horde army. You can't really spam that much in this format, which is really cool. We'll talk about that in a bit, I guess. But uh, yeah, I did, I did well against Matt as well. Um, I, again, made a few mistakes. I feel like I got a bit lucky toward the end of this round. And the main thing that turned it for me was just my Blight Horde, who cut through his Gobbos. They just were able to outmatch them quite easily. And Matt commented to me that the Gobbos um, struggle against Blight, apparently. And it seemed to be the case. Like It seemed like a good matchup for them because they've just yeah. got lots of attacks. And just the minus something. one to hit is a really big deal when you're hitting on fives, mm. uh, the, the um, ensnare. Uh, and even, even uh, Shroud is pretty good as well just to, to counteract their shooting. And I found that, yeah, the, so the Blight cut through like two hordes of goblins and ended up in the middle uh, while the rest of the army it was sort of everywhere else on the board it was quite an even clash, but it was getting the most unit strength in the middle that that particular uh, battle. So I came out on top on that one as well. Mm-hmm. So all four wins, um, finished up second on the podium after uh, Damien Madigan with his Twilight King, who yep. I dodged, and he probably would have creamed <laughs> me had we played. So I think it's a pretty good result all around. Uh, it was one of those tournaments where, you know, there's a fair bit of luck involved both on and off the table because had I played Damien, it's, it's wrong to assume automatically that I would have lost, but he, he was ahead of me by three and a bit points, which is a reasonable amount. And one wonders, he, he apparently sort of stomped all four of his opponents. He was the only other one on four wins. So that makes mm. you think, oh, had I played him in round, I don't know, two or three or something, I might have gone so far down the games would be totally different and you yeah. end up like 12th or whatever it may be. So, yeah, who knows? It's just the way it goes sometimes. Hmm. So the top five there, Twilight Kin, Ratkin, Abyssal Dwarves, Empire of Dust and Ogres. It's a weird sort of mix, which it's is sort nice of... Mix. It was a mixed tournament a, in general, which is great. It was a very healthy mix, wasn't it? So I guess that's a really, really good segue. So first of all, uh, congratulations on Undefeated for a tournament. Uh, yes, well done. And coming in second. Uh, Thanks, golf man. clap. Not my first um, undefeated tournament for what it's worth. I've run a few lately, but they've involved draws, so I've finished much lower. Right. Mm. Mm. Well, so I've been okay with the old Rattos lately. Ever since you that are. demon hit the sta- started hitting the table, I've... Uh, my, <laughs> well, he is my, very pretty. Somehow, <laughs> yeah, it's the prettiness. That's definitely it. <laughs> Seems to be improving my uh, the old double, WLD. I can, I can write it in my forum signature soon. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess this is a really good segue into what makes a successful... Uh, low point army. Um, so I know that you've already sort of mentioned, uh, I think it was in game two, uh, about how the drop sort of helped you and you had the unit strength to be able to play the objectives a little bit. Yeah, I think um, it depends, of course, on the scenarios that you're playing. Because if you're playing low points, but you're playing totally different scenarios, it's kind of, you know, we don't have we don't have a yardstick to measure by there. So we need to kind of consider let's assume that these low points games are using the regular scenarios that you'd be using even at higher points games without mm-hmm. too many alterations. And if that's the case, there's a lot of objectives, there's a lot of unit strength focused things. So it's relatively important to have that anyway in an army. So any army that can put out a lot of unit strength but still have some units that kind of do stuff is quite powerful in low points, in my opinion. So it changes the it changes where the you know field goals are so to speak in terms of what's mm. powerful and what isn't so you're yeah. you're really strong double uh mummies with heaps of healing or whatever that's all well and good and that's still strong and in fact at low points you might have even less options to get through that kind of a solid center or what have you but that might be just like all you've got 
and they can just walk around the flanks and get all the unit strength. Well, is it larger point values, those things that become conventionally known as powerful are powerful because you're able to have the other elements in your army to support them and you've got the necessary amount of chaff around and what have you. And sometimes mm. those combos don't necessarily work as well in low points where it's all about getting heaps of unit strength onto the table, but still after doing so, having meaningful units. Like you haven't just got you haven't just got all slaves, for example, and you've got unit strength coming out of the wazoo, but your army doesn't actually do anything. Mm. You, you need to still be able to put forward, if you like, that sort of balanced all-comers list, but it tends toward the horde a lot more. I think that that's what's strong at low points. Yeah. The, alter- the alternative is to do the absolute opposite, I think, and go for a like Varanger army with just like f- four units of, you know, big nasty charging super knights. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is possible even at 1495 points, of course, because that restricts heroes and monsters and war machines and all those kinds of things. But it doesn't rest- restrict your basic sort of regiments and troops and hordes. So for that reason, you can t- t- still take quite a skewed spammy army if you so choose. You can also do things like take a dragon and a griffin kind of thing or, or, or what have you. There's a few armies that can do that kind of thing. Like your beasts can have like two flying monsters and it low points that's really really hard to deal with for a lot of armies so going down that kind of really skewed route can still work quite well mm. i think the trap though is i'm going to take my normal 2250 point army or 2500 point army 3000 point army whatever it may be and i'm going to use all the most powerful sort of units in it that i think work really well and just like cut out everything else that probably won't work. Mm. So we, we do have a chat very shortly with um, Jeff Trash, and he mentions a fair bit around having a lot of units that have a purpose, mm-hmm. and that's that's his key to success. And obviously, he's now at the the Australian number one uh, position, so that that's sort of his uh, method. And it sounds very similar to what you're saying. Is that well? I'm glad because I haven't heard the Trashy interview yet, and I would have felt like <laughs> a real dickhead if he had said the opposite. <laughs> Well, we've got a surprise for you. If he says anything that sounds like the opposite of what I'm saying, listen to him, not me, because he knows what he's about. <laughs> I'll just edit out that entire conversation and just yeah. copy and paste Jeff's voice. <laughs> yeah. So what you really need to do in the situation is blah, 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 say something the opposite of what I'm going to say. Perfect. Make me sound good. I like it. So, so one of the more contentious things, and I know that we've mentioned it last time when we had Convic, is that we thought that there was a little bit of a bias towards some armies. Mm. Um, so as a, a little investigative person that I am, I actually went out and had a chat to Andrew Goodman mm-hmm. um, around this, who's I think Australia number four at the moment. And I said, is there any armies that you feel is like more tailored towards winning? as in not being fun to play, but to actually win uh, in low points. And he said more elite armies. That was his sort of response. Interesting. So he's taking a fairly opposite approach to me. I think that can be true in a bit like what I was saying before with taking like a really spammy, hard to deal with list. If say everything you've got is toughness, you know, has has defense five or six, that that is really, really hard to deal with in the sense that if you say you've got, for argument's sake, like as a thought experiment, you've got a bit like that dwarf army I played in round two that Jeff was wielding. He could say, everything in my army, you kind of need at least crushing strength, sort of at least one, but probably two to meaningfully get rid of it, right? And Mm -hmm. the opponent, because it's low points, probably has one, let's say they have two 
crushing two units and everyone else has got crushing nothing or something like that. That doesn't sound like an unrealistic scenario, probably pretty common. If I just focus all my shooting on those two threats and they're gone, the rest of the army is basically immune to you at that mm. point. So so that that kind of elite army can be can be really, really powerful, but at the end of the day you still need to have a purpose for every unit so you can claim those objectives. You can get over the center line. Because it's all well and good to have your sort of powerful combo, but I proved on several occasions that, you know, at the end of the day, a 60-point slave unit can claim an objective just as well as a 250-point unit of hordes of stone trolls or whatever. Yeah, so once again, Hugh, you're going to like this because that's actually sort of reiterated by Andrew Goodman as well. So so what he was saying is units like the Dracons, the Grotesques, and the Soul Reavers for the Undead... Because they're so, uh, so, well, they're pretty high defense, particularly the Soul Reavers, and they're a lot of points and they can hit hard, and they're pretty versatile, um, as in they're pretty quick and they can move around. So he found that they were a bit of a key to success there. And more importantly, if we jump over to Mike Crossman's sort of line of view, so once again, one of Victoria's better players, um, he actually reiterates that defense in, is extremely strong in low point battles. And then as a second point of view, he would say that unit strength comes in at that uh, unit strength of your whole army is now at a pretty critical number two. So that reiterates exactly what you're saying, young man. I think, mm. I think defense can be interchanged with unit strength because you, you might have fewer units that don't die because of the defense or you can have more units that if they do die, it doesn't matter. You've still got more. Mm. Yeah, but like even both is juicy, right? Like if you've got mm. a really high defense monster, that's all well and good. But if you've got a really high defense horde, then that's a lot more unit strength for mm. a similar number of points. So I think that's probably got an import to it, I suppose, at low points. Yeah, so Benson, you're saying more like just clag, like just throw crap stuff at it, just tie it up for the game, uh, and it won't be able to outscore you, I guess, in the unit strength. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I always say I do have a high defense. I mean, I know my highest defense in the army is typically four. But my high, def- my high defense is more rats. Mm. So that's just a different point of view, I suppose. <laughs> but it's not as They still soak line. up the same amount of attack. Yeah. So that yeah. went along very much the same lines that I sort of thought. Um, and I guess if you have a look at AG's sort of comments there, it's the Dracons, the Soul Reavers, and the Grotesque. They're very quick. So I guess they do hit hard as well. But I like the comment that I got off Daniel King from the, the UK, actually, who's one of their great players over there. Now, this is a bit of a, a mouthful, though. It's a, his... Key to success in 14 or low point games was tactical complexity in a short period of time. So naturally, I read that and went, hmm, like, um, and then I asked, <laughs> what, what do you mean? Um, and we sort of got around to it's all about forcing the issue. So if you're going to play that elite sort of army, you've, you have to attack. You can't just sit back and wait for somebody to fall in your trap because an army like, say, yours, you would just go, oh, okay, yep, you've finally attacked and it's turn four, and now you don't have enough turns to be able to kill off the rest of my army, and I'll win. Yep. So it was all about forcing that issue, uh, forcing the moves, the tricks, um, and not setting long traps. So I thought that was pretty interesting from one of the better players over in the UK. Yeah, I kind of I tend to agree with that, and from the sense that like with less points and less less assets, if you like, you also have less time. I know you don't literally have less time on the clock, but you have less opportunity for some of those assets to not succeed. And when you're setting like a slow defensive trap, I could see how some of some of those assets might have diminishing returns, if that makes sense. Like mm. if you if you're being aggressive, you it's a bit like the old um, like 
uh, back in the day, I used to like like many uh, nerds. I took a couple of years of doing like martial arts in high school and then never continued it. <laughs> and Bit the only badass. things that I remember from that, apart from that I'm not very good at martial arts, is that oh my the my you know sensei guy. He told me that it's better to attack than defend because when you're defending, you need to get it right every time. Well, as when you're attacking, you only need to get it right once. Would you say your key to the success at the moment is because of the sensei? I wouldn't, but it would sound <laughs> good. Yes, of team. course it is. That's right. <laughs> I mean, sometimes when my ratkin are losing or when I need to roll a nerve check, I just do a little bit of wax on, wax off. I just go wow. into sensei. I go into my happy place, and my sensei's voice fills my head, and he says, "Roll a six. <laughs> and then I do. In fact, he's not even not even Japanese. I don't know why he's like He just puts on a racist voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's an Australian guy. It's weird. All right. So if we scroll down uh, the player rankings in Australia, and we scroll again, just keep scrolling, we actually get to Matt Kroger, 79th in Australia at the moment. So I'm not sure if we should listen to him or not. Um, most Most say we shouldn't. Um, I'm sure that he would say that we shouldn't, but he still answered me. And he said that high defense uh, and flying monsters is the key for low low points. But once again, 79th in Australia. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> we could probably just edit that bit out. At what but, rank are you in Australia, Sadek? Uh, one scroll. One scroll. I think I'm 25th at the moment. 25th. There you go. That's So you should be giving him advice, right? I, I am. <laughs> I'm actually... He plays elves as well, and I'm apparently the best... In race, elves at 25th in Australia. You are too. I'm just looking Mm. you up. I've only just discovered that this ranking system even exists (laughs) because I don't give a shit. But (laughs) (laughs) what I I do very slightly enjoy about this is that of all the possible ranks that you would expect a Skaven player to be, what's the best possible rank? It's got to be 13. (laughs) Amen, baby. (laughs) That's so good. Not the rank. I just love that I'm 13. That's I think so the cool. real challenge now is trying to maintain that 13th maintain spot. Well, I was 13. thinking about that. I mean, if I don't attend any more events, it's probably my best odds, right? But then no, just if someone drop. pips me, I need to like go to an event and do mediocre? I don't know. I don't know. How do you maintain a 13th spot? <laughs> In a way, that's so, harder than maintaining a first spot. It is. You would technically <laughs> have to score more. If you slid down the rankings, you would have to better one of your top three. Uh, to how do the, the ranking points actually work? Is it the top three tournaments you've been in or two tournaments or something? Yeah, or? I'm pretty sure it's the top three tournaments over a calendar year. And it's the total points for that. Okay. From November, I think. November to November or something like that. I think that. it's a rolling November. calendar year. Okay. <laughs> but pretty impressive nonetheless there. Mm. So, I guess just before we sort of jump into the Tracy sort of interview that we did, I would like everyone's bit of a pointer. If you were to create a low point army, what's the sort of first one or two things that you start to have a look at? We'll start off with you, Benson. First, I look at my collection of miniatures. Oh, God. To see what I have to play with. And then sigh. That's usually the first tip. But seriously, I look at hordes of infantry. What's a good horde of infantry? Because then the horde gives you the unlocks for the other hero monster war machine, which is mm. my what I'm concerned about most, mm-hmm. getting mm-hmm. some inspiring. Uh, but of course, most of the time in a low points game, we're still talking about low points games, right? We are, we are. Yeah, Most of the time in a low points game, you don't need as many unlocks from the sense that you can't have like a million characters or mm. what have you. But it's still important, obviously, to get So instead them. of taking a few hordes, you can take three or four regiments, and that's Ooh, enough. You can do, or you can just take three or four hordes. <laughs> <laughs> as long as they're cheap enough. But the thing with the hordes, it gives you the unlocks, but again, it's like what we were talking before, it's 
harder to grind through. Yeah, it's unit strength and it's high defense, which yep. seems like that's starting to become a recurring theme because it's not necessarily high defense in terms of the defense number, but you've got a really high nerve, so that, that is mm. in and of itself basically defense. Okay, give me a second tip, Benson. Uh, so once you've got your once you've started with a horde of infantry, then you need something to back it up. Uh, usually something, the way that I play, something quick to try and get around the sides and, and threaten and try and force the hand. So that's usually a flying hero monster or slash monster that is decent in combat, not just a five attack thing. It needs to be, be out of hit. Hmm. Fair enough. Okay. And you who? Well, you stole mine, Ben. So I'm saying that. I don't know. Um, tips. You need to look at your army after you've finished it and make sure that you have a enough unit strength to claim all the objectives. Like and. Compare it to the scenarios if you're not that familiar with them. Make sure, like, look at each of the scenarios and go, how is my army actually going to achieve that? And then also ha- in- include a couple of units that actually are high-impact units, I think is really important. Um, that means, like, they can go out, reach out, and they can do a big punch. So similar to Benson's, I suppose, Flying Monster, which is always nice. Mm-hmm. But also, instead, in lieu of that, you might have a unit of badges for the dwarfs a horde of badges, or you might have a nasty unit of knights or something. I think it's important, even in a low points game, that you've got at least one, at least a couple of units so that you've got a reasonable amount of redundancy there that can actually reach out and touch your opponent and, and force the game on your terms. And if you're playing dwarves, just take three regiments of Brock Riders to begin with. That's only 630 <laughs> points, and that's very scary already. Yeah, that seems, yeah. Seems legit. so that's sort of, I guess, the, the first tip that I would even go for is that you need something mobile in pretty much all armies and it's that volume of impact so that that hit that can convert into wounds they're not going to be able to rock these really hard or lots of really hard units so uh, being able to charge in convert say 10 to 11 wounds will actually take off a unit more more than not but yeah definitely those that flying monster is just going to be able to create impact uh, as a first thing and be able to take off the little units mm-hmm. and second of all is still scores and that's at the end of the day plan the objective is the way to go i think we've missed the most important tip is make sure that the figures are painted because otherwise you're not going to roll very well yeah that's true that's, that's it's true easy to forget that actually mm. Mm. and sammy he'll be ruining that, <laughs> that battle <laughs> he did get rolled off a bit, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's less outplayed and more outrolled. But you know what? That's what that's what you get, I guess. That's, yeah, that's what you get. Should have forked out heaps of cash. <laughs> Should have. <laughs> so I guess uh, a big thank you, Hugh, once again for coming on and telling us of your amazing victories of uh, Mayhem, the tournament. Um, and I think Bensom, you attended a tournament over in Bendigo. Uh, yeah, the badges. A couple of weeks back, Badgicon. I took me Dissel Borfs just because I didn't have to paint. I was sick that weekend as well. Pretty, <laughs> pretty crook. So I didn't want to have to think too much. Uh, so that was a four-game tournament as well. So I managed to get through the first game fine, and then the drugs started to wear off, and I just kind of crashed. But I still placed what was it sixth out of I don't know a bunch. Nice. I thought that was okay. Hmm. Yeah, I think That's there was right. like 16, 17 people there. Mm. I think. And that was in 1995. Yan ran that tournament, right? No, 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 no. this was the one in Bendigo. Oh, right, okay. Is Yan running one soon? Uh, No, he ran one last weekend. 
Yeah. Oh, bugger. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so these are all Victorian tournaments. Uh, so it's a pretty healthy scene here at the moment. As we mentioned, the one that Hugh took out actually got 26 people, and that's a bit of a monthly tournament that Mike Crossman's been helping us out, just driving that scene. So big kudos to Mike and the rest of the gang that have been uh, putting on all the effort or putting out all the effort. Mm, yeah, what a guy. Up. Like Without stalwarts like that in the community, the community is just falls to bits so it's it's amazing how consistently and persistently he's just cranked the tournaments out and i think that's the main reason that he got a good showing for that one is because he's had a lot of showings of not as good you know like between sort mm. of six and 12 or whatever like you you have to run some events like that i think in a scene like kings of war in in uh, australia to slowly build up sort of a loyalty base, so to speak, or, or the community itself to the point where uh, yeah. you get a big attendance. So full power to him, you know? Yeah, not only that, it's I think you've got to understand exactly how he runs his tournament. So it's pretty cheap, it's well affordable, but if it's your first time there, you get a whole army box um, just for turning up and yeah. playing. So you don't even have to win. The new people get something out of it. And I think it's that sort of behavior that he's been driving in. People want to come back with their new army after that. That's it. Prizes should just be a fun little thing, really. Like, I think most mm. people are there. If you're there to compete, you're there to compete for the sake of the competition and to be mm. like, yeah, look at me, wicked. I'm, I, I did well. It's not really to win a box of whatever, especially mm. if you've already got a sweet army that um, is painted beautifully like my Ratkin. <laughs> um, you just you just want to like you know have a good time so uh, like I came second I didn't get a, any prize for that or whatever but I don't care I paid 20 bucks I had a great day I played some awesome people made some new friends whatever else so good times had by it all secured 13th position the bloke who <laughs> I forgot to mention this I gotta mention this the bloke who played Andrew in the last round and ended up getting a wooden spoon his name's Paul Conda. Just basically, you know, trial by fire. It's his first tournament. He's only just started playing uh, war games. Uh, for, by all reports, a good bloke. He, uh, you know, struggled to score many points over the course of the event. But Mike Crossman <laughs> gave out a prize. He's just like, everyone rolled two dice. Whoever, roll, whoever can roll highest wins the prize. Mm -hmm. And this bloke rolled a boxcars, which, <laughs> funnily enough, someone else also rolled boxcars. So then they had to have oh. a roll-off. And this bloke rolled higher again. So... He, Good job. Even though he came last, he walked off with some big box of, of something or other. Yep. So, <laughs> so it's cool. I, like, I, I quite respect that that method of giving out prizes. It's less sort of rewarding you for being like a soul crusher on the table because there's plenty of people that want to do that anyway mm. and mm -hmm. more for like, you know, just turning up and having a good time. Hmm. Uh, very true. All right. So uh, I guess from here, what we'll do is we'll have a bit of a chat now. We'll uh, once again, thank you for coming on, Hugh. And we'll jump on to our... We'll have a break, I think, aren't we, yep. Benson? We'll go, yeah. do the interview, and then we'll come back again. And then Beautiful. roll it out. Hello, all you direct misfire listeners. It's Ronnie here from Mantic Games. And I just want to say a big shout-out to all of the Australian Mantic players... And uh, anyone that's watching the cricket giving us another whooping as usual. But now a big thank you to Elder Kings of War players, Vanguardians, Walking Deadians, mm, Deadzonians. So thanks very much for being big fans of Mantic. We really do appreciate it and spreading the word down under. Selick and Bensom have been chasing me and hassling me for 
snippets and reviews and interesting stories, well, all I can say is look out and watch the Mantic Facebook and the Mantic blog over the next week or two for some of the most exciting announcements. We've got a new game coming. We've got a, mm, many things i got to talk about yet. We've got interesting stories about The Walking Dead, Call to Arms, how that's developing. So watch out, get involved. We've got some of the best media uh, videos we've ever done. So check on in on the Mantic blog all the next few weeks for some massive world-changing earth-shattering news. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for supporting Mantic. Really love you. Bye-bye. And we have returned. Thanks again to Jeff. And before we head off for this episode, we'll just run through what have you guys been doing in terms of gaming, Kings of War, modeling, anything at all? Hmm, okay. Um, so very quickly for me, um, it's just purely been buildings, actually, for The Walking Dead. I've been doing a couple more of those, mm-hmm. getting nice and fancy. I think I even brought over a Walking Dead game probably a month or so ago now um, and got a couple of games in there, but that's what I've been working it on. It looked very pretty, that board, all done up. It did. Man, so I'd love to you. see it. Are you working on your undead? Uh, slowly. So I've done a couple of the bases up, um, but I haven't kicked off uh, any of the units just yet. Okay. Not any more units, yeah. Because the last I remember, your work, was it Wraiths? Yep. Yeah, the Wraiths that I've got. Um, so they're still done about 80%. I think I'm going to strip them and do them again. Do a bit of a Benson on that one. Okay. Uh, sorry, a bit of a spoon on that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't strip things. <laughs> But I've also got the um, the Kickstarter, the Mantic Kickstarter. So I'm just kind of waiting on, sweating on that to come through the, um, what do they call it? Terrain, Terrain Kickstarter. Crate 2. Terrain Crate 2, yep. So I have literally spent a lot of money. <laughs> literally a lot of money. <laughs> my fiance is in the next room. Um, but yeah, that, that's on its way. <laughs> okay. And what about you, Hugh? Um, I've been playing a lot of board games lately, really enjoying that. Um, if you haven't got around Chaos in the Old World, it's an old school Warhammer one. That one's uh, awesome fun for mm. four players. So I think it's five in the expansion. Yep. Is it six? Five or six? Um, that's an awesome game. I was playing Root. Everyone loves a good Root. That game is a wicked one. Uh, it's sort of like this cartoony sort of which animal species can take over the forest or whatever. Mm. It's much more fun than it sounds. Similar to Bunny Kingdom, which also sounds a bit, I don't know. Nah. <laughs> I think it's the, the fluffy animals that the might fluffy animals is a, Yeah, it's a bit of a weird, it's, it's kind of weird theme-wise, but it's got beautiful art and um, both mm. of those games are just really interesting sort of games where as you're starting out to play them you really focus on what you're doing and what you can do and then as you get better at the game you've played it a few times you try to like also focus on what you're doing but also pay attention to what everyone else is doing try to screw them over Mm. and that kind of thing and it's interesting when you play those asymmetrical kinds of games where uh, your faction plays totally differently to your neighbours and so you've got to try to achieve your goals in totally different ways but keep track of what they're trying to do at the same time. Mm. Yeah, I've been really getting around those kinds of board games lately and I'm even playing some board games at work as well which is good fun. It's moved me away from the model gaming for a bit but just for a little while, I'll, I'll get back to it. Yeah, we've been playing, we've had a few games of Rumble Slam as well, the uh, wrestling version of Blood Bowl, yeah. essentially. The game's cool. And you have, still haven't painted your rat team of that one, have you? Yeah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I should really do that. But yeah, that's a really good game. I really enjoy that, actually. So I would like to get Yeah, it's pretty up. simple. It's pretty fun. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've also had a few, camp, uh, what are they, stages, campaign rounds? I don't know, of Gloomhaven? Ooh, yes. Yeah, Gloomhaven. Probably played, I think we've played four times now, but we've still only done two missions. We've played with di- slightly different players and stuff like that. Yeah, and we redid one because we lost. <laughs> because we're too <laughs> eclectic about the different games we play, we don't, we never, Gloomhaven <laughs> yeah. almost doesn't work very well for us. Because you don't focus too well. Yeah, you meant to play like eighty missions or whatever to finish it out, and it's such an awesome, like, well fleshed out campaign. But it's yeah, we have that same problem with D and D. Can't sort of maintain the focus for long enough, you know. Mm. But one day, it's not. It's not that we can't. It's just that we love to do all these other things. So you, you know, got to keep it fresh out there. Mm. Uh, I guess what I'm doing as well is more of your rats. So the uh, sensor bearers I've painted. It's got a base up. So that's for your Sixth Ed. Uh, my um, Warhammer 6th editions, Gavin. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, I'd say, about halfway done with your, what are they called? Tunnel Runners. So you've got a... Oh, yeah. Really looking forward to that. Board of, of them on the way. Yeah. I reckon they'll be pretty good on the table. Uh, from And they should look cool too. I'm really looking forward to seeing what you do with them because I recall we had a conversation about how you were going to model them and paint them uh, or, or sort of your ideas for it anyway. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about trying to make one run up a ramp or a pipe or something and get some sweet air Yeah, that looks as, they, as they tear down a street. <laughs> I think it's important to use the terrain to make the models a little bit more dynamic because they look cool by themselves, but they're sort of basically single pose, aren't they? So, mm. so they could look boring if they were just on sort of a flat ground, but a bit of bit of action in there, a bit of action posing. and the dynamism. Really cool. mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. But that's about... Oh, and I've painted three teams of Rumble Slam as well. That's yeah. the last cast. Smashing them out. Um, and I'm sure there's more that I've painted that I can't think of. It's all in the lounge room with my painting desk. But yeah, looking forward to finishing the tunnel runs just to get that out there. And so you can get even higher in, in the rankings. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to. I'm 13th now, bro. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. If that's the highest rank I ever achieve, I'll be fine with that. You've peaked. You've peaked. Yep. One more thing, I think, that uh, we, a bit of a spoon update. He hasn't bought any miniatures. Still. We're halfway Still, through the year. He is, he is well on his way. Go, son. Good job, spoon. What's he been painting? Oh, he is a bit crazy with his painting at the moment. So what has he been painting? I think there was Blood Bowl. Yep. There was uh, was it Battlefleet Gothic that I saw? Was it Battlefleet? Yeah, like the was it Necron he painted the croissants? Yeah, he played the no, it was the ships. The ships. What were the? No, ships he did on? play paint the ships as well. But he painted Battlefleet Gothic and he painted and several of Man of War uh, fleets, which is awesome because I love that game. That game is so fun. I have played that with yeah. him a few times. <laughs> it's it's very silly fun. Yeah, it's just simple silly fun. Like for a ship game, which tend to have quite complex rules often especially things like dystopian wars which i'd like to get back into soon mm. i've got a half painted fleet there i could finish them off is like they tend to be quite complicated but man of war if you ever feel like playing an old school throwback for i know you're out there you like 90s games workshop loving those <laughs> 90s games uh that the man of war is such a classic it's really good fun mm. all right so we'll leave it there thanks again hugh for jumping on and chatting kings of war and other stuff no worries man it's always fun all right and just reminding the listeners listen to trashy not me okay just listen to trashy thanks guys we will see you soon bye-bye see you guys Yeah, direct misfire blowing up the game. Talking many war games is our aim. Rule books to advice, we cover it all. With the best tactics, we never fall. Bend some spoon and sell liquor in the mix. Math hammer doesn't work, it's a trick. Follow along, stay up to date. Comment, like, subscribe today. Come
Come check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Direct Misfire. If you want to shoot us an email, directmisfire at gmail.com. I'll have a wild berry, please.